What's the most common word in the English language? A, and, maybe it's the. Well, if you follow college sports or trademark law, you're probably heard that the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office has approved Ohio State University's application for a trademark on the word the. There are, of course, some details and limitations. Jones Day intellectual property partner Meredith Wilkes is here to explain and talk about why the university's actions actually provide some very good lessons for organizations and companies that need to protect their branding. I'm Dave Dalton. You're listening to The Jones Day Talks. Meredith Wilkes is a first chair IP trial lawyer, one of the firm's leading contacts for trademark, unfair competition, and copyright matters. Meredith's practice focuses on high stakes trademark, trade dress, trade secret, false advertising, and design patent litigation leading matters for global brands and courts throughout the United States. And you listeners know that Meredith chairs the firm's Women in IP initiative and that she's a regular and popular contributor to Jones Day Talks. Meredith, it's been a while. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming back to Jones Day Talks, Women in IP. Thank you so much for having me, Dave. All right, let me give us some background here uh, in terms of what we're talking about today. If you've noticed when you're watching the pregame for an NFL game or maybe an NBA game, for all I know, or uh, other sports, athletes from most schools just tend to say, Tom Brady, quarterback, Michigan, right? Things are a bit different coming out of Columbus. As TV viewers have noticed, former Buckeye players in the NFL introduced themselves during pregame saying they went to the Ohio State University with kind of this little dramatic pause after over-enunciating the the. Okay, now here's where it gets strange. Back in 2019, it turns out, the school filed to trademark the and received that trademark approval in mid-June. Now, this has been kind of a running, not joke exactly, but people from other schools or associated with other schools have kind of ribbed, yo, the Ohio State University, it's pretentious, it's bombastic, whatever it is. But suddenly, I guess the trademark office took this seriously. So, Meredith, can you give us some background on the case and explain exactly what the university was trying to achieve? Absolutely. And, you know, selfishly, I'm always happy when something's going on in the news that actually I can talk about because as, you know, an intellectual property lawyer, those sure. opportunities don't come every day. <laughs> not on the news the... is all about a trademark. It's like, cool, it's... I can actually talk about what's happening here. So, Especially hey. not on the sports page, I'll bet. But, yeah, <laughs> right? Sure. sure. Right. And, and living in Ohio, too. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, your, your introduction here hits on the key component um, to how this registration ultimately issued. I think that if you walked around, particularly here in Ohio, but, but anywhere, if you sure. walked around and asked people to answer this question, when I say the blank university, what comes to mind? Mm-hmm. I think most folks are going to say Ohio State. Yep. And it's for that reason, although the word the is a common word, it's for that reason that the can serve as a trademark in this context. So you asked me to get into a little bit of the background here, so let me do that. Um, sure. A couple of years ago, the Ohio State University filed an application to register the, and they did it to cover what we call a pretty narrow class of goods and services. They did it to cover the word the, in connection mm-hmm. with clothing, and then even much narrower than that, clothing, namely T-shirts, baseball caps, and hats. So okay. narrow class of uh, goods to cover the word the. 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. not long after that, the trademark office issued what's called an office action, meaning they've reviewed the application and they have some comments basically on, on what's in the application. And in this case, they refused the application for registration. And they did it on a couple different bases. The mm-hmm. first was the prior filed application by Mark Jacobs saying, you know, if that application's in front of you, it appears to be for similar goods and services. And so we're going to refuse the application for that reason in the event that matures into a registration. But also the more substantive refusal centered around what's called failure to function as a trademark, that it's quote unquote merely ornamental. And that means essentially that it's it's not working as a trademark. It's not telling people where the goods and services may come from. It's more of just a design. And a design can't function as a trademark. And so that was the that was the real substantive hurdle that had Hmm. to be overcome in the first instance before they could get to sort of the second issue with with Mark Jacobs. And in response to that refusal, their trademark council, Ohio State Trademark Council, did did a very nice job in putting together a very detailed, I think it was about a hundred page response showing Hmm. the trademark office that the actually does serve a trademark purpose. It does function as a trademark, so to speak. And they talked and submitted a a bunch of evidence hoping to convince the examiner that the word the does indicate the source. And they talked about, you know, the university's prominence in athletics and hundreds of thousands of of alumni and the NCAA championships and the millions of televised viewers that see the Ohio State University using the and as a source indicator, as opposed to merely an ornamentation. And so sure. that was sort of the, the early background with respect um, okay. to the application. And then it gets more complicated after that. <laughs> okay, well, I, I want to pick up on something you said, because there, the, the proper names of many universities, like the University of Michigan, that's my son's alma mater, or I don't know, is it the University of Tennessee, whatever it is, if that's actually the legal proper name, I'm probably using uh, terms I shouldn't use here, Meredith, but is because Ohio State, I guess it kind of grew up organically out of the athletic department and became sort of a, not a punchline, like I said before, but something that became part of the sports vernacular. Did that put them in a different space where they actually had a shot at trademarking like that? I mean, could the University of Florida done the same thing? So the, the critical issue is, can the applicant, whether it's the Ohio State University or the Colorado State University, where I went to school, um, uh-huh, gotcha. show, right, a connection between the word the and the institution itself? And I think that's where the 100-page submission that Ohio State University put into the, the trademark office really kind of moved the needle for the application. In that submission... The Ohio State University talked about how V became more than just an article, more than just the word T-H-E. And they, they said it probably happened in the 80s at some point in time when the Ohio State University moved away from OSU as its branding. Uh-huh. And they, they pinpointed it, I think, to the early 90s when Robert Smith on Monday Night Football introduced himself, like in your intro, as, as hailing from the Ohio State University. And it kind of took off from there. Right. And and since as early as 2005, the Ohio State University has been branding the and using the prominently such that consumers would recognize the as something coming from the Ohio State University. And that's that's really how you do that. That's how you, you know, get a word that's common in the English language to then be something more than 
just a word, right? Like in Through the Looking Glass with Humpty Dumpty and Alice, where he's like, you know, I make when I make a word, do a lot of work like that, I pay it extra. That's sort of what we're trying to do when you're trying to, to get something recognized and okay. add it to the vernacular and into the realm of being a brand, being a source your, indicator. Your Lewis Carroll references will never be wasted on me. I like that. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Many schools, probably every school of any consequence, is very productive of its trademarks, and rightly so. But again, and hey, you've convinced me. I'm starting to get it now. But this was admittedly highly unusual. Was this necessary, this action, you know, going after the trademarking of the? Again, in, from the standpoint of the, the Trademark Lawyers Full Employment Act, absolutely. Mm. Anytime you are investing in a brand, anytime that a brand owner is trying to draw a connection in the minds of the consuming public between what it's doing and its competitors or, or you know, some other choice in the marketplace, investing in it and trying to get protection around it is something that we typically advise our brand owner clients to do. And so making that type of investment in the marketplace and then also in the United States Patent and Trademark Office, trying to, to get registrations on your brands. We always, you know, we advise clients that that's usually a, a good thing to try and do. This particular application that ultimately did mature into a registration is interesting also because there was somebody else in front of the Ohio State University that also had an application for the in connection with apparel. And so once they got past this whole, is this a trademark issue? They then had to convince the examiner that the Ohio State University in connection with, you know, hats and, and apparel of that nature could coexist in a world with branded apparel goods owned by Marc Jacobs. And so then they had to go through that process and ultimately strike a deal with Marc Jacobs so that each could live in the apparel world, essentially, mm -hmm. and both have trademark rights to the word the Ohio right. State's words that the, you know, the Ohio State application got limited to a certain channel, college athletics, essentially. Mm -hmm. And Mark Jacobs then limited their channel, their, their protection of the to contemporary fashion channels. And that's how they resolved the issue. And, and that's ultimately how the was registered to the Ohio State University for that narrow class of goods and services. So, okay. uh, you know, licensing in NCAA and for any university that, that's showing up in multiple national championships and that sort of thing is a big deal. There's mm -hmm. big money associated with it. And yeah. with that, sometimes she gets some imitators. And I, I think probably one of the drivers, I don't know this, obviously I don't do work for the Ohio State University, but um, I think probably one of the drivers here, it, it seems to me, would be to combat counterfeiting that's sure that's one of the sure. reasons you would want to get the registration there and, and keep the the licensed merch the authorized licensed merch clean so that you don't have counterfeits flooding the market and the way you do that is you protect a brand and then you enforce and that's how you keep the trademark rights okay so we assume that the ohio state university and mark jacobs can coexist in that same world and you kind of answered my question already i was going to ask how broad this protection actually is sounds rather limited and, and not intrusive. We don't have to kick the Ohio State University a quarter every time we utter the word the, do we? It's very limited here. <laughs> no, no, we don't. You know, under the, the trademark laws of the United States, the rights are limited to the manner in which you're using the mark, so the goods and services on which you're using the mark, but then it only protects against confusingly similar use, not all use, uh, when we're talking about trademark infringement cases. And so... Okay. Right now, the protection that exists by virtue of the registration 
covers the narrower class that we talked about. The t-shirts, baseball caps, and hats sold through collegiate, traditional collegiate channels. Okay. So it's at least somewhat related to protecting merchandising rights. And I've got a note here. That's $12.5 million a year for the Ohio State University. I got to say, Meredith, that sounds low to me, but okay. Well, that's what I found online. It must be true, right? But yeah, that, <laughs> if it's that, on the internet, it's true. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> no doubt. If I'd only found it on Twitter to really verify. So, all right, let's talk about something else in terms of where this decision might lead. Are there any lasting implications for trademark law? Or maybe this really wasn't game changing, if you'll pardon another sports you know, analogy. Maybe it's just, yeah, of course, this is how the decision was going to come down. But is there anything that you took out of the decision that says, huh, maybe things might be a bit different moving forward? It's an interesting question, Dave. And I did like the sports analogy. Thank you. There are 10 other registrations on the principal register for the word the in connection with goods or services. 10 other live registrations. There are some others that are dead. And so in that respect, the fact that the word the is covered by a United States trademark registration is not earth shattering and certainly not something that would garner a lot of attention, I think, but for the fact that this was a highly publicized application and then, of course, a highly publicized registration when it issued. I think at the time that the Ohio State University filed the application, my read was that the media was somewhat uh, almost critical of mm -hmm. of the efforts to obtain the registration and i think it's it's more because maybe sort of a general misunderstanding of process and and effect as opposed to what the ohio state university was trying to do making efforts to protect that investment i don't think anybody would would think that that's a bad idea so i i, sure. I think the the immediate and lasting implication in the broader sense is that there is a need to protect the brand and invest the, and, and invest in the brand and make sure that the consuming public associates, you know, your terms with with you. And when you do that, you do have the ability to protect that investment. So I'm I'm hopeful that that maybe that's one of the the longer sort of public awareness impressions that results from this. That's that's interesting, and I I wouldn't have uh, made that jump, but you're right. I mean, there's a general awareness maybe brought out by something like this, a matter like this, that maybe wakes some people up in terms of, hey, these things are valuable. These so-called intangible assets are worth protecting, and as odd as it might have seemed to some people, and they're trying to you know include the word the in their branding, makes sense. You know, again, if it points some people away to better protecting some of these assets. This is probably a great thing. And it's a great thing for every, all our friends in Columbus, that's for certain. Hey, if you've got a minute, can we talk about women in IP, Meredith? Of course, I'd love to, yes. You run and direct the Jones Day's Women in IP initiative and a uh, great group, active group, lots of great events, programming, networking, uh, mentoring, anything you'd want this sort of group to do in a large law firm, you guys are doing. We have this little thing called the pandemic and the shutdown that thankfully we're, we seem to be moving well past. So I'm imagining your events and your plans for women in IP for the rest of 2022 are probably pretty exciting and worth noting. What's going on? Oh, yeah. Well, thank you, first of all, for the, the kind words and the support. Our Women in IP committee works really, really hard um, to do all of those things. We started off the year still sort of in pandemic mode and doing our, our CLE programming through web-based only. And we, we did start off the year with uh, a Women in IP in the ITC event. 
that was all WebEx and really a terrific program. The ITC last year had a record number of trials and we were fortunate enough to have our own women in IP who'd been through some of those, those ITC proceedings together with some of our clients talking about best practices in ITC litigation. And so that was a great program. Nice. Um, we just wrapped our leadership installment in Washington with Judge O'Malley, who had recently retired from the federal circuit and, and traces her roots to Jones Day in the Cleveland office as an associate. And, and that was a phenomenal program. Uh, Judge O'Malley talked with uh, Jennifer Sweezy and Tracy Stitt and Shella Wynn of our Washington sure. office and just yeah. such a, a phenomenal discussion. But I have to tell you, for me, at least one of the best parts about it, in addition to everything that I, I got to learn, was the experience because we were back live again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and of we course. were so it was so nice to be back in person. We were still offering the program over the web too for for folks right. to dial in and and if they mm -hmm. missed it, you know, we have recording available. Just you know, you contact us at, at women and IP at jonesday.com. But so fantastic. So we're we're mm -hmm. halfway through the year in terms of our programming, and we have two more programs to go this year and hopefully fingers crossed they will both also be live with people having the opportunity to dial in through the web and participate that way um, our global patent litigation installment will be fingers crossed in new york in september mm -hmm. and last time we had done a european and u.s perspective this time we'll do a u.s china perspective so oh wow that that should that's be interesting good. yeah it, it should be good and then we'll round out the year doing um a CLE program on brand focused, where we're going to talk about the uh, effects of the Trademark Modernization Act that's now been in effect for a short period of time and, you know, oh, yeah. what that impact has been. And then also talk about the NFTs in the metaverse and all the brand issues that seem to be circulating around there. We've got, um, you know, the furry bag, Hermes, Birkin yep. thing happening and, and lots of stuff happening in the metaverse uh, in branding. And the tension that exists between sort of First Amendment expressive rights and, and brand owner rights. So round out the year there. And hopefully wow. you'll have us in for our year end uh, women in IP well, podcast it, as well. I, you, you've got a blank check with me anytime. I've told you that. And it, it remains true. This this metaverse stuff has me fascinated. And we've got a murderer's row of, of lawyers, Jones Day, you know, Rasmus and Josh Sterling, uh, Dorothy Joby, uh, you. I mean, there are people that seem to really understand that. And I pretend to understand it for the podcast purposes and video purposes, but you guys are on it. So that'll be a great, great program. Sounds like you've got a lot coming up. It's great. Good program today. That was the Meredith Wilkes talking about trademark law as it pertains to The Ohio State University and their win several weeks back at the uh, patent office. Meredith, thanks again for being here today. Thanks so much, Dave. Take care. Bye. For a complete biography and contact information for Meredith Wilkes, visit jonesday.com. And please reach out to her directly if you're interested in any of the Women in IP events she mentioned. And be sure to check out our publications, videos, previous podcasts, blogs, and other topical content on the website's Insights page. Subscribe to Jones Day Talks on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you find your podcasts. As always, we thank you for listening. I'm Dave Dalton. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Jones Day Talks. Comments heard on Jones Day Talks should not be construed as legal advice regarding any specific facts or circumstances. The opinions expressed on Jones Day Talks are those of lawyers appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect those of the firm. For more information, please visit jonesday.com.